Welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful Growth Steps resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience original worship songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. I'm very excited to go on a road trip with you guys. You guys ready for a road trip? Everybody say road trip. <laughs> Come on, we're going to have a good time. Man, I love road trips. They're so much fun. And, and Jennifer's family was the same as mine growing up. They'd go periodically on a family trip. And she told me that their, their packing experience was really interesting because her dad would pack everything so tightly. And, and actually, he's helped us move a couple times. So I've seen this in person. He's, he's like playing Tetris with the suitcases. You know what I'm talking about? Is anybody here just an um, expert packer? Like he, he would do that. He would get every suitcase, you know, every bag just perfectly fit in the back of their vehicle. She told me about one trip where they were leaving and everything was packed just right, but she forgot that one thing that she needed that day that was in the bag. Have you ever done that? Like you get everything packed up, ready to go, and you're like, oh, I got to get that. So she went in the back of the vehicle where everything was fit perfect. She found her bag, unzipped it, got the thing out she needed, zipped it back up, and she went back in the vehicle. Forgot to close the back, right? Well, dad is in a hurry to leave. He can't see this because it's so packed full. He can't see the hatches up. So they pull out of the driveway and he speeds off. And as he speeds off, he looks in the mirror and he sees all these suitcases bouncing down the road. So she said, I was not quick to tell him it was me. I did eventually confess, but I wasn't quick on the draw on that. But you know, when you, when you get ready for a trip, there's a lot of work that goes into it. When our family of six leaves to go anywhere, it's always a big project. In fact, we can't even fit everything in our vehicle anymore with six bodies and then six suitcases. It's just too much. So Jennifer's family gave us a car top carrier years ago. It's been a big blessing, but when we got it, I didn't know where to put it because it's big. And trying to fit it in our garage, I didn't know where the right spot was. And I finally looked around and found a spot behind a ladder. And, and this ladder is where I hang our kids' little mini trampoline. It goes on the ladder. So picture my garage. There's this car top carrier a ladder, and a little trampoline. So anytime we want to go out of town, I go in there and I pull the trampoline off, I move the ladder, and I get the car top carrier out. But because it took up so much space in our garage, I had to displace other things. And like, where am I going to put the sleeping bags? Where, can I, where am I going to put all these bags that we never get to, right? I'll just put them in the car top carrier for storage. So now when I want to leave, I, I move the trampoline, I move the ladder, I get the car top carrier down, I open it up, I get all the sleeping bags out, all the bags out, I move those in the garage, I go set it up, attach it to the top of our vehicle. Then we're ready. Everyone's like, come on, Dad, hurry up. I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> we're about to go have some fun, right? But I finally get it all, all together. And, you know, it's a lot of work to go on a road trip. It's a lot of work. To get from here where you are to there where you want to go, it's a lot of work. But listen, it's always worth it, isn't it? When you get there, when you see the sights, when, when, when you get to where you want to be, I mean, it's always worth it. You know, 
you and God know where you are today. I can maybe make a guess, but, but you, you know where you are, right? You know where you're at spiritually today. You know where you are, of course, physically. You, you know where you are, but, but where do you want to go? Where, where do you want to get to? In, in your life, in your relationships, in your future, where do you want to go? What's your vision? Where's your journey of life going to take you? Where's your trip headed? See, you know where you are, but to get to where you want to go, it's going to be a lot of work, but it's worth it. And here's what I want to say. Over this month, we're going to go on a road trip together, and we're going to learn so much. We're going to grow together. God's going to do some things in our spiritual life, help us to be more like him. It's going to be a lot of work, to be honest with you, but it's going to be so worth it because you're going to grow, and God's going to take you from where you are to where you need to be. So hang with us each week. It's going to be a great journey, and in this journey, we're going to have some experiential sidetracks. We're going to try to illustrate the message in some fun, creative ways along the journey. And you're going to actually go on a road trip with us throughout this month. So I'm really excited about that. But we'll get to that later in the message. So the journey that we're going on is a journey through the life of, of Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph is the great-grandson of the patriarch of our faith, Abraham. Abraham, God came to him and said, said, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants so numerous. And I'm going to do these amazing things through your future. And ultimately what God was setting up was a plan of redemption and salvation for humanity. When he looked at the sin-stained human race, he loved us too much to completely get rid of us. But at the same time, he couldn't just overlook our sin, so he needed a plan. Someone who was sinless, which was none of us, needed to pay the sin penalty for our sins if God were to forgive us and receive us into heaven. And so he had a plan to send his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins and pay that payment for us. But Jesus had to come and, and through a story, and Jesus came through the, the, the generations of the nation of Israel, the Israelite people. And they started with Abraham. Abraham had a son late in life named Jacob. And then Jacob had a son named, or I'm sorry, he had a son named Isaac, and then Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And Jacob's 12 sons became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel that you, lead, you read a lot about in the Old Testament. Now, some people will say, well, I'm not really an Old Testament guy. I, I'm a New Testament girl. You know, like, you know, pe- people, you know, they don't read the Old Testament as much because it can be confusing. And there's a lot of history there. And there's these Old Testament laws and sacrifices that they would make. And, 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 there, and there's so much to it. Like, but, but here's what I want to say. The, the New Testament stands on the foundation of the Old Testament. So when we look at Joseph's life story in the Old Testament, it's a fascinating story. It's incredible. There's so much that we're going to experience. In fact, I'm struggling to fit it all in in this month of July because there's just so much to it. It's amazing. But, but here's the thing. All of that history leads to the ultimate uh, gift of Jesus Christ and all that we read in the New Testament. In fact, the Old Testament, I would encourage you to read it because there's so much history there that our faith stands on. And although it might take you a little more effort to understand and learn, it foreshadows Christ. It points to Jesus. It points to the coming Messiah in so many amazing ways. You also learn lessons about people. And you learn lessons about God along the way. You, you learn more who he is and his nature and his character. You learn so much about mistakes to avoid as you follow God and what God wants to accomplish in your life. And so as we go on this trip together, as we embark on this journey of Joseph's life, we're going to learn a lot well, let's talk about Joseph. Joseph was 17 years old when we start this story. 17. He's a young boy, 17 years old. He was a shepherd, and he was living at home with his father and his brothers. However, things were not so, going so well when we pick up the story because Joseph, he had it good. In fact, he had it a little too good, and that's what led to his problems. Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 3. It says, now Israel... 
That's his father Jacob. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. Now, let me just stop there for a second. Did any, any of you want to be honest and say, I grew up in a family where I feel like my sibling was like more favored than me? Does anybody like, yeah, so we got some hands. Yeah, you guys need to just forgive, let it go. It was a long time ago. All right, move on. <laughs> just kidding around. But, but look, look he's, he's the favored son and so favored that his father made an ornate robe for him. This is why favoritism is not a good thing, parents. Verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. They hated Joseph, and they could not speak a kind word to him. So they felt like their father loved him more than them, so they didn't, they didn't like him. And then it gets worse. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. Everybody say, I have a dream. Now, this is actually a God-given dream. We'll see later in the story, but he has a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, it's a dream about ruling over his family which would actually happen. It says, they hated him all the more. <laughs> all right, so if you got a little brother who is uh, mom and dad's favorite, and, and dad gives him a special robe and puts that robe on him to show everybody that he's the favorite, and then that little brother has a dream that one day he's going to rule over you and you're going to bow before him, how much do you hate him, right? <laughs> you want to kill him, right? That's what they actually did want to do. They wanted to kill him because they could not stand this dreamer. But he did have a dream. Look back at verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him for it. He had a dream. He had a dream in his heart, a longing in his heart, a desire. You know, just, just humor me on this for a moment. What is it that you dream about? Joseph had a dream. And I believe that most people, if not every person, has a dream. What is it that you see? Maybe you don't call it a dream, but what's your goal? What's your plan? What is it when you look out over the horizon, you're like, that's, that's what I want. That's where I want to get. That's how I want to end up. That's who I want to be. What is it that you're dreaming about? Most people, as I talk to them, I love talking to people about their dreams. It's one of the most fascinating parts of conversation. So what do you dream about? What do you want to do in five years? You know, here's one way I like to ask the question, and I'll ask it of you right now. If, if you could do anything and you knew it wouldn't fail, what would you attempt? That's a pretty good question. If you knew you wouldn't fail, what would you attempt? What about this? If you had every resource, if there was no limitation on your time or on your money, what would you chase? What would you go after? Like if there was no limitation, what is it that you actually want? You know, I'm just asking the question. You've got to answer, but, but, but what, what is it you're dreaming about? See, here's the thing about dreams. Sometimes we can be dreaming about something, and I'm going to call it this. I'm going to call it a longing. We can be longing for something, but it can be a misplaced longing. But you, but you are longing for something. I know that. Whether you, whether you have it, if you painted a picture of your preferred future for us, whether it's a clear picture or whether it's a foggy picture, I know you're dreaming about something. Why? It's in your notes. This is the found, important foundation for us today. My soul is longing. I, I know that. Write that down, longing. My, my soul is longing. You, you need to know that your soul is longing. And people throughout the centuries have, have tried to describe this using lots of different words. They've said things like, my, my soul has a void in it. There's an emptiness inside. There's a, there's a dream in my heart. There's a, there's a vision. See, the thing is, there's a lot of ways to say it, but what we're, I would contend saying is I have a longing. I have a longing. But the problem is until you understand that, until you start to understand what that longing is all about, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit here, is until I understand what it is, then, then I can think that my dream is actually something that it's not. I can have longings that get misplaced and get attached to the wrong things. 
So, so here's what I'm trying to say. Like when, when, you, when you look at the life that we live, if you look at the world we live in, everything is closer in proximity than it used to be. If, if you wanted to see a beautiful sunset, you know, out over a, a, a African savanna, you used to have to get on a boat, not even a plane. They weren't around yet. You had to get a boat and sail over the Atlantic, and it would take you many weeks to get there. And then you could see that, that beautiful sunset over the savanna, and you could, see the, you could see the elephants and the giraffe. Now you don't have to do that. You could just pull up your smartphone, and you can see it in a second. I mean, the world has shrunk, and you can, you can, you can see all the wonderful things in the world that are out there now. And so what can happen is I can start to have a dream. Oh, man, that's beautiful. I want that. I want that. I want to do this. I want to go there. And we have all these dreams, all these trips we want to take, all these journeys that we want to be on. And wow, life is so amazing. And because we have this longing in us, we can start to attach to the beauty of the world thinking that's what I really want. If I could have that, I'd be so happy. Man, that, that special someone, if I could finally have that dream romance, I would be happy because I see other people having it. Man, if, if I could, if I could just get to this level in my career, if I could just get this much money, if I could just get to this place, I would be so happy. The amazing Christian author C.S. Lewis, who, by the way, started out a skeptic of Christianity, went to prove it wrong, and then as he explored it and discovered it, he realized what Billy Graham said. You don't have to defend the Bible. It's like a lion. You unleash it, it'll defend itself. And as he got into it, he realized, wow, this is so good. And it converted him, changed him. He's like, I, I want to be a follower of this Jesus guy. And he went on to write all these volumes of amazing Christian literature. And one of the things that he said about this longing in us, he said, you know, as we see these, these images of beauty in our world, written a long time ago, he says, you know, when you, when you see this, we can mistake them for the, the thing itself, that thing that we long for. And we turn them, these things that our, our, our hearts are, are wanting or we think we want, we turn them into dumb idols that break the hearts of their worshipers. They won't satisfy you in the end. And listen to this, this is profound. He says, for they, those things that we think we want in the world, they are not the thing itself, the thing you're longing for, that dream that you might have even mentioned a moment ago in your heart, that's not what you long for. He says, listen, he goes, for they are only a scent of a flower that we have not found. They're the echo of a tune we have not heard. They're news from a country we have yet visited. He's saying, your soul longs for something eternal and lasting and beautiful and strong and secure, amazing. What your soul is actually longing for, what your dream is, whether you've identified it or not, is the loving Father, the good Father who cares about you, loves you, and wants to give you the gift of relationship with Him for all of eternity in paradise, by the way, as we talked about last week, where the worst things in heaven, the streets you walk on, are made of gold. So he, he has so much for you, and your heart's longing for that distant place and that relationship with Him. But if you don't know that, if I don't understand that that's what my, my soul is longing for, then I'm going to think I have a dream is about something here in this world, in this finite, short-term world that I'm surrounded by. Well, man, if I could just be successful, if I could just be known, if I could do something, if I could go somewhere, if I could have something or someone, then, then that longing will finally, yeah. But what happens is it's a misplaced longing, and that longing will break my heart in the end, but I need to know that my soul has a longing. Have you ever thought about that? That your soul is actually longing it's longing. What is it longing for? Have you played out that thing that you have a dream about? What if you get it? Man, there's unlimited stories of people who have been ultra successful, and they got the thing they wanted, but then they were broken on the inside. They were bankrupt in every way. 
even though they got their dream. Spiritually, they had not uncovered what it is that they really were longing for. They misplaced their longing, and they attached it to something of this world that's finite and limited. I knew as a 19-year-old what I was longing for, and it was that beautiful girl that I met named Jennifer, and I thought, man, that's what I've been looking for for a long time, and she's the right one. And, but, you know, I, I started looking, because when you have a longing, then you start to look. And so I, I wanted to look a little deeper. I just kind of knew her. It's, Checking out, man, she's nice, she's very kind, she's loving, she's beautiful. I'm, I'm going to see if this is the real deal. So I went on a date with her. And, you know, got to check her out a little bit, got to know her family, got to ask some questions. And the more I, I, I looked into this, I thought, man, this is, this is the girl for me. So this went on for two years. We dated, had a great relationship. But it got to that point. Have you been in a relationship where it's like, all right, are we doing this or not? <laughs> are we going to keep going? Or are we just, like, what are we doing here? And it got to that point where we both knew. It's like, all right, are we, are we doing this? Are we getting married? And I knew. I was like, this is the girl for me. And so because I was longing for this, I, I started looking for a ring. And I started looking around for a ring, and, and I, I think I found the right one, and I, I had to come up with a plan. I had to look for a plan, and my plan was I'm going to have an, an amazing proposal, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trick her a little bit because we had an anniversary, a two-year anniversary coming up. It was on June 29, and that June 29 was a special day, two years, significant moment, and she knew that the engagement was coming, a proposal was coming because we had talked about it. I was like, if I got you a ring, what kind of ring would you want? You know, I was like, you know it's coming. So uh, I, I knew I couldn't totally surprise her, but I wanted to mess with her a little bit. So June 29 was coming. I was flying out to where she lived in San Diego for a visit, and so in her mind, like, this is going down on the 29th. We had, you know, the whole day available, like, this is going to happen. So she had to be excited. I didn't know, but I, I knew that she was thinking, and so I get out there, and on the 29th, I didn't do anything special. Uh, she's like, what do you want to do? You want to go out tonight? Ah, let's just hang out by the pool. You know, I'm just, I know it's wrong, but I was just, you know, leaving to hang out there. And, and we're just having fun. Like, you, you want to go, you want to go to the beach? Our favorite thing, sunset at the beach. You want to go and go to the beach? Ah, I'm kind of tired from the flight. Let's just hang out with your family today. Let's just, the whole day comes and goes. Well, my plan was the next day, the 30th, right? And so the 30th comes, and, and I take her out, and I had this perfect plan. I went and got a little plastic bag for my ring, and I put the, the engagement ring in that bag, and I put it in my pocket. And my plan was to get ice cream on the beach and propose to her on the beach at sunset, and she'd ha find the ring inside her ice cream, and she's eating the ice cream like, what? I'm down on my knee. Boom. I'm married. You know what I mean? I'm saying it was a great plan. Well, so I had to set it up, though. I couldn't just go right to the ice cream on the sunset. So, so we started at the top of the Hyatt Regency downtown San Diego, you can look out over the bay. It was beautiful. We had some appetizers up there. We went down, got in a carriage ride. Come on, this is good, right? So we're, we're going on the carriage ride. We get out to the beach, and it's a beautiful uh, beach. It's right before sunset. We maybe got 15, 20 minutes, and, and we get in line at the ice cream store. Everything to this point has gone flawless. I'm like, this is good. At the ice cream store, there's 50 other people that had the same idea I did. It's like, why tonight? And the line stretches out the door, and we get in line, and I'm thinking, this is never going to work. About three minutes into the line, at the rate it was moving, I could tell it wasn't going to work, and she could tell. We both love sunsets at the beach. She didn't know what was happening. She just wanted to see the sunset. She's like, hey, we should go get the sunset. I'm like, well, let's get some ice cream, then we'll go get the sunset. I'm thinking, i got to have the ice cream. That's part of the plan. And, and she's like, well, let's, let's get it after, which normally would be a fantastic idea. Go watch the sunset, ice cream stores open late, come back when there's not a line, right? A reasonable human being would think this is a good plan. But I know i got to get the ice cream. So I'm like, let's just stay. So I could tell she's a little like, all right, seriously, all right, whatever. And then so we wait, and the line's not moving. It's so slow. She's like looking out the window like, Brandon, we're going to miss sunset, our favorite thing. And at this point, I can tell. I can see it in her eyes, the disappointment that like, I thought you were a reasonable person. You're apparently not as reasonable as I thought you were. I could tell that if I went forward with the ice cream plan, I jeopardized the answer I would get when I asked her. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
I gotta change plans. I'm like, all right, all right, forget the ice cream. We walk out the door and I see Wendy's across the street. Frosties! She's like, what's up with the ice cream? I'm like, I just, I gotta have some ice cream. She's like, whatever, let's go get Frosties real quick. We go into Wendy's and she's like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. And so she, she left to go to the bathroom and I'm telling the guy making her Frosties, I'm like, hey, can you put this little bag inside her Frosty? It's like, no, you're going to get me fired. What are you talking about? And I explained to him, I said, like, engagement ring. Like, just, just put it in there. And he's like, all right, man, I'm doing this for you. But like, this is, this is the same right. And so I, he puts the, the ring in her, in her frosty. And as he's handing them back to me, I say, hey, tell me which one it's in. Well, I didn't know that the door was locked at the bathroom. And so she came right back faster than I thought. And she hears me say, let me know which one it's in. I don't know she knows this, but she knows that I'm doing something, but I don't know she knows. You know what I'm talking about? That's a bad spot to be in. So we go out on the beach. I'm thinking, I'm all like, she has no idea. She's got her frosty. It's going to be so good. We're there. The sun is setting. We're eating ice cream. It's just this perfect thing. Just how I imagine it. But right about the time she should have been getting to the bottom of her ice cream and finding the ring, she's still standing around eating her ice cream. And, and like, it's taking like 10 minutes. It's like, she's, I was done like a long time ago. What's up? And she's, she's just eating her ice cream, just smiling. And I start to pick up on it. She's got this smirk. I couldn't just ask, did you find it? That runs it. But I could tell, and she was keeping me at a distance. I could tell she was kind of like, I'm like, what? No, no, wait a second. I looked down there. She had, the ice cream was long gone. That thing was sitting down there. She knew. She laughed. I got out, got on my, uh, on my knees and said, hey, babe, I love you so much. I want to spend my life with you. Told her these sweet things and asked her if she'd marry me. She said yes, and we just had our 17-year anniversary a week or two ago on the 28th. It's kind of cool. Uh, it's really cool because we have anniversaries now, 28th, 29th, and 30th of, of engagement, dating, and marriage. We get to party all week, right? But that, that experience, um, it was fun, and it was, it was a memorable moment. But it all happened because of a longing. See, I was longing for something, and so I went looking. I went looking for the right girl. I found her. But then because I was longing to be married, I had to go looking for a ring. And then when I found a ring, I had to go look for a plan on how I was going to ask her. And see, she was longing for something, too. She, she was longing to be married. So that whole time when the build up to the, the big day, she thought it was going to be on this, this, on this 29th. I'm looking. I'm looking to see when it's going to happen. I'm waiting. See, when, I, when our soul is longing for something, here, here, here's what you need to know. When my soul is longing for something, I always go looking. So because we've already started with you know that your soul is longing, what is it that you've actually been looking for? See, you're searching. Whether you've realized it or not, you're searching you're looking because you're longing. What are you looking for? On one life-changing day, Joseph went off in search of his brothers. His father actually sent him to go looking. Pick up the story in Genesis chapter 37, verse 14. So he, his father, said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? That's a great question. What are you looking for? Verse 16, he, Joseph replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? We don't know what Joseph was thinking as he was walking towards his brothers. Maybe he was just hoping this time they would be nice to him. They'd stop picking on him because he was the favored brother. We don't know. Maybe it was much more than that. Maybe there's something deep inside of him who was really hoping to find some camaraderie with the brothers. That maybe he could join in with what they're doing, that they would accept him, high five him, bro hug him. That they say, hey, how you doing, little bro? We don't know what he was thinking, but we do know that he went off looking. And what a great question in verse 15. 
A man found him wandering. A man found him wandering. He's wandering around in the fields and, and that man asked Joseph, what are you looking for? And I think that's a great question for you and I. What are you looking for? Really, you know, we've talked about longing, how our soul is longing, but our soul is also looking. In fact, that's a lesson point if you wanna write that down. My soul is looking. I'm looking because not only am I longing for something, but the longing always turns into looking. Because when I have a longing, a desire for something, I go looking for it. I want to find the fulfillment of that longing, so I go looking. And Joseph is looking for something. In this case, he's looking for his brothers. What are you looking for? You know, whatever it is that I think I'm looking for, there's always the chance that it's right there in front of me. You know, we're here today in Venice Beach, just south of Sarasota. I love this beach. It's a great place to come. And this beach and another beach close to here, both south of Sarasota, are, are famous for something, are famous for a search. And that's a, sh a search for shark teeth. You know, people come here from all over the place and they, they sift through the sand and the shells, looking and hoping to find a shark tooth. And whether or not they find one, they're willing to spend a long time just looking in hopes of finding that thing that they're searching for. You know, we're all on a search. And for me, I've been here and I've searched with my kids and we've looked for a long time. And, and when we first did it, we looked for a long time without finding anything until we realized how to do it. See, we were looking for teeth, shark teeth that were the same color as our teeth, a lighter color. But then we realized after time and advice from others that you're actually looking for a dark colored tooth. And we eventually found a bunch of them and it was a great adventure. Well, after we had done that and we've come down here to, to Venice looking for shark teeth, we went on a summer vacation as we, we do each year to Holden Beach. We've done it every year of our kids' life. It's a, it's a family deal with Jennifer's family. And so we've gone to that same beach, Holden Beach in, in North Carolina every year. Over 10 years we had been there and one summer we were there after we had gone shark tooth hunting down here in Florida. And my son picked up a shark tooth right off the beach. And we were all amazed. We've been here on this beach for like a decade and we've never seen any shark teeth. See, something had changed. It wasn't just that shark teeth had shown up miraculously after all these centuries and they'd never been at that beach before. No, it's, they'd been there all along. We just didn't know what we were looking for. We, did, we didn't know how to look. It was right there, right underneath our noses the whole time. And you know what? I wonder if what you're looking for has been there the whole time. You know, you might think that you're looking for success but the reality is what you're really looking for, what your heart is longing for, is that affirmation, that value, that worth that's assigned to you, that like God and only He can give you. I, I think sometimes we're looking for significance. We, we want to know that we're, we're valuable and we're worth something. And, and what that's really wrapped up in is in a relationship with God where, where He lets you know how valuable you are to Him, so valuable that He gave His only Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for your sins. You know, I think sometimes we're looking for security. You know, we want to know that we're secure and we're set and life's good and it's a good spot. And, but I think what's really underneath that, we might go looking for these things in a lot of different areas, but what's really underneath that sense of search for security, it's a desire to be around the powerful protection of God, His power and His presence. See, a lot of the things that you might be looking for or that you think you're looking for might actually be a misdiagnosis. You might actually be looking for something completely different and it might be right there all along. See, Joseph went off looking for something. I, I wonder what you're looking for because your soul is looking for something. What are you looking for? You know, one piece of, a vis of wisdom comes from a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, one road leads home and a thousand roads lead into the wilderness. So there's, there's one road home and that's to a relationship with God your Father through Jesus Christ His Son, but there's a thousand roads that will lead you on other searches. Don't waste your life looking for buried treasure in all the wrong places you'll end up with a history of empty holes. 
Well, Joseph was searching. You're searching. I, I know you're looking, and whatever it is that you're looking for, you're looking because you're longing, and you need to know that, that you're, you're looking. So be aware of the fact that you're always looking for something. Well, Joseph went off to look for his brothers. Well, Joseph finally catches up to his brothers. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 37 and verse 23 and see what happened. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. So Joseph is abandoned by the very guys who should have been closest to him, his brothers. They throw him into the bottom of the cistern. He's alone. It's dark. He probably feels completely rejected and lonely. And the robe that they stripped from him, that, that ornate robe, that was a robe that was more than just clothing for Joseph. It represented his worth, his value, his security. Have you ever had anything of value taken from you and it left you feeling naked? Well, here's Joseph literally stripped of his clothing in the bottom of a well. And that robe was so important because every son wants to know that their father loves them and values them. They want the affirmation of their father. And this son, that robe represented what his father thought about him. But now that was taken from him. And his brother's love was taken from him. And now he's all alone in the bottom of the cistern. You know, we tend to curse crises when they come into our life. We think, man, I don't like when horrible things happen to me. We, we, we hate it when, when bad things happen. And, and we think it's such a bad thing. But sometimes good can come out of the bad, right? Let's have a conversation about that. Because I think that sometimes when crises happen in their life, they can bring some really good things into our minds. Because sometimes we can get attached to the things of this world and start to put our hope in the things around us, the things that are temporary. A few for examples. You could put your hope in your career, but an unexpected bankruptcy from your company or an unexpected job loss can leave you with your foundation shaken. If your foundation, if your hope for your life is in your finances, an unexpected stock market crash, loss of a job. A lot of things could cause that foundation to be shaken. Your hope might be in the eventual good life and retirement and your future plans, but one bad doctor's report can shake that foundation unexpectedly. Your hope might be in a, in a good relationship, a friendship, or maybe even a marriage, but an unexpected move or even a death could shake that foundation. So here's a question, what are you building your life on? What foundation is strong enough that will never be shaken? Well, the Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 55, verse 22, it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. There's only one foundation strong enough to build your life on. You can include all those other things in your life, but the foundation you're building your life on needs to be one that can't be shaken. And the only foundation strong enough to build your life on is the foundation of God, a personal relationship with him. So put your hope in him, put your trust in him, put your faith in him and he will never let you down. See, Joseph may have felt alone in that well, but he was not alone at the bottom of that cistern. His family had abandoned him. Maybe you felt rejection in your life by some people that were close to you, some people who should have been there for you. And he wasn't really stripped of all his worth. He was stripped of that robe that represented his worth, but God saw tremendous worth in Joseph. In fact, in Joseph's life, he, he felt like everything was taken from him. And maybe if you get to that place a blessing that could come from it is if you feel like you have nothing left in your life but Jesus, maybe you'll eventually see that Jesus is everything you actually need in your life. The final lesson today is this, it's in your teaching notes. When Joseph was stripped of everything he was looking for, he was alone with what he was longing for.
So when Joseph was stripped of everything that he was looking for, he was alone with what he was really longing for. And I hope you don't have to get to rock bottom to discover that. A lot of people do. A lot of people have to get to the end of themselves or the end of their health or the end of their finances or the end of their career or the end of their dream to see that what they're really dreaming and longing for is not what they were actually out looking for. So look for Jesus. Look, look for him in all the good things of this world that he's created. But don't worship the created things. Give your heart, your longing, your worship, your true desire to the creator, not to the created. And when you do that, God recreates the world around you in such a beautiful way because you see everything through an eternal lens. You see everything through the beauty of God who's a creator. Then you look at a sunset and you don't worship it for what it is itself. You say, God, you're such an amazing creator. You've created such a beautiful world. I give you praise for what you've done. And you can look at your kids and you can look at your career and you can look at any blessing that God brings into your life and you can thank him for it. And you can return praise instead of letting your heart attach to it and start to worship it. Instead, no, you worship what's going to be lasting and what will never be shaken, and that's God. So before I leave you with a cliffhanger ending for next week, let, let, me, let me just tell you this that I don't want you to forget today. If you take nothing else, if you ever feel alone in your weariness, if you've ever been rejected by someone and hurt by someone, maybe someone close to you like Joseph, his, his family that should have been there for him stabbed him in the back. He was rejected, thrown into the bottom of the cistern. He's there in the bottom of this well, and there he had to be hurting in the flesh because those who should have had his back stabbed him in the back. They left him alone. They abandoned him. And he was physically alone in that well. And you might feel alone in your weariness today. Nobody gets me. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm stressed out. You might feel alone in your rejection because others have walked out on you and left you. You might feel alone in, in being overwhelmed by life. But listen, you, like Joseph, although he was physically alone in the well, you will never be alone because God is with you. He's watching you. And you might be at a low point in life or at some point in your life, but you have to always look up because God is always on a higher point looking at you. And when you're at your lowest, he'll reach his hand down in that well and he'll always be there to pull you up to be with him if you will allow him. Well, here's the cliffhanger ending. I'll, I'll, I'll read it for you and then I'm gonna, I'll leave you in suspense for next week. It's a powerful and crazy journey that Joseph's life goes on. But here at a low point, it takes another turn in Genesis 37 down in verse 34. It says, then Jacob tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth. This is his, his dad. And he mourned for his son many days. See, the brothers came back to dad and they said, dad, uh, here's Joseph's ornate robe that you made him and we found it covered in blood. And Jacob had sent him out to look for the brothers and all he could assume was that a wild animal devoured him. So in verse 35, it says, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his, his father wept for him, thinking that Joseph was dead, not realizing what the, the boys had done. And for all practical purposes, he was dead to him because he was far away. His, his father thought he was dead. The brothers, they wanted to forget about Joseph. And so for all practical purposes to his family, he was dead. Verse 36, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So as we leave off this story this week, what we're going to pick it up next week is Joseph has been abandoned by his family. He's been sold into slavery, shipped off to the superpower region of that world in Egypt. And, and the head of that country, Pharaoh, has a captain of the guard, Potiphar, who has now purchased 
Joseph to be a slave in his household. And Joseph gets busy working in the household of Potiphar. That's where we're going to pick up the story next week. But what you want to leave with this and this part of the journey and this part of the trip is to know that no matter where your journey takes you, you will never be alone because God is always with you. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today. Jesus, we trust in you.